You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, what you doing with that banana, Mickey? Is that a banana or is that a squash? It, it, it could be, it could symbolize one of two things, Bob. Uh, I don't want to talk about one of them. What's the other? Uh, an ICBM missile. Okay, but why were you about uh, to put your put it in your mouth? Because I'm hungry. <laughs> um, uh, okay. It, there is some. There is some. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Tuba news from the for the parrot room, <laughs> you Bob. Know, Mickey. Uh, I'm just connecting the dots here and thinking that this is you know sometimes a missile is not a missile. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, uh, sometimes it's uh, he sh- he who shall not be named. The Tubinator. The Tubinator? Well, you've named him. What do you want to say about him? Uh, you know, there's, there's a whole... He, he's not He's not the only casualty at CNN, I will say. He now has company. Not, who? Uh, in the, Tubin, in the CNN Exiles Department, right? Well, well, yeah, sure. Although Don Lemon wasn't fired. Oh, what did happen to Don he Lemon? He got moved to a morning show, I think. Hmm. Um, no, but it's a different story. I'll, I'll, oh. I'll give it in the paradigm. Hmm. Excellent tease. Do you mean a patreon.com slash parrot room, Mickey? Where people can go if they want to support us? Correct. Okay. And, and see an extremely long, insidery, gossipy, sometimes good uh, you had between at, us. You had them at parrot room. I'm not sure you're okay. improving the marketing <laughs> campaign as you continue. Now, what is the deal with the banana, the missile, the two? Connect the dots here, Mickey. Well, what are you talking have, about? I think we have to talk about Ukraine. Joe Biden said we were as close to Armageddon as we ever were. And I've been reading up on people like Walter Meade saying how Biden should react and uh, and other people. And uh, I think you just wrote about something about that, didn't you? Uh, in, uh, on, on about your, a week ago in the newsletter, yeah. There, there wasn't just something that came out from your newsletter? Earthling. There was something that just came out. It was about there was a, a the, the lead item was actually about the revelation that you the Ukrainian government was in fact behind the murder of oh, Daria okay. Dugina in Moscow in August, and the Biden administration leaked that. I, I do want to talk about that, but uh, um, you know, I'm well, happy to talk about nuclear terms. Okay, what, well, did, I, I, what did Walter Russell Mead say? I, I read the one well, you sent me last Walter week. Walter Russell Mead said that Biden, it, he had the reaction that some a lot of people have had to the Biden speech, which it was, it, it, it lacked the resolve. He said, Biden said that, you know, I can't see any, any, uh, n- any response to a first strike that doesn't, uh, any, 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 I guess people are saying if we, if he uses a tactical nuke, we can respond conventionally in ways that are so devastating to him that he will regret it. I.e., if we operate even from outside Ukraine's borders, our uh, our air power is so superior that we can basically destroy every tank of the Russian army from the air, uh, virtually without going into Ukraine. Uh, and the reaction against that is that well, then he will just escalate and. Nuke someplace else, uh, and uh, the the reaction to that is, well, we will kill him. Uh, we will then destroy Russia, but that doesn't get us anywhere if we're just in the. Are you going to destroy Russia? Because Russia can destroy us. It seems to it seems to me that, uh, but Walter Russell Mead said he shouldn't have flinched. He has to be unflinching in his resolve that if Putin uses nukes, we will retaliate, presumably with you know, whatever the traditional NATO response is to when they use tactical nukes, which well, may be... Well, Walter's nuke. not arguing for a guarantee of nuclear retaliation, is he, or is he? Not necessarily, I don't think, no. Well, then what is what is it that Biden has not done that he wants done? I'm going to go find uh, his piece, because well, I know you my, said... My, my, um, my guess is that, uh, you know, he wants us to say we would treat in a, you know, that act in the Donbass as if it were an attack on NATO. Similar sort of thing. And well, whatever I, I the response think... we have for that is, and I just don't think it's true. I think Obama was right when he said in the crunch of an escalating nuclear tit for tat, we do not want to start a nuclear war over the Donbass the way we would start a nuclear war over our territory. 
So Putin is going to win that. And so we shouldn't start escalating. Well, I, I, my attitude, my attitude to this whole thing is, you know, Biden said, well, I wonder where Putin's off ramp is. We're looking for an off ramp. Well, gee, yeah, maybe you should have thought about that before you started this whole thing. It's a little like uh, I don't think you're going to say I don't think you mean to say that Biden started the whole thing. I agree with you. They should look for off ramps. But before I'm I'm saving you from comment or hell, Mickey. No. okay, he didn't start the whole thing. But before Biden started what the course he was on, which is arming Ukraine so that it's on the cusp of victory and humiliating Putin. So he has no recourse. And no offerings. Well, and arming uh, Ukraine before for, for years and years, which began right. with Trump. But anyway, right. go ahead. Yes, yes, correct. Um, it's I, I see it as a little like uh, when you're approaching a speed bump in a car. Mm-hmm. If you wait to brake until you're right before the speed bump, you're totally screwed. Because this, when you brake, your suspension is going to compress and the speed bump is going to hit you twice as hard. Mm-hmm. You have to brake for the speed bump well ahead. When you see the speed bump in the distance. Uh, so they should have been breaking well ahead. It's too late now. We're approaching the speed bump. If he tries to if he tries to hit the brakes, that will just uh, have the effect that Walter Russell Meade says, which is egging him on. It's it's uh, there, there are no good choices now because we've waited too long. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not sure that your deterrence related car metaphor is going to replace the famous example of when you're in a game of chicken and heading toward the other car if you throw the steering wheel out in in view of the other driver you win because you have committed to mutual annihilation incredibly but thank you for the speed bump thing well neither neither driver has thrown the steering wheel out the window yet true i don't think well uh uh, there's no way to throw the steering wheel out the window in real life in this case there's there's unless you like you know set up some computer system that you demonstrate just automatically retaliates and you have nothing, no control. A doomsday machine. A doomsday machine. Uh, What I would say is, first of all, I mean, I haven't read Walter's piece. As of last week, I I don't really think the signaling has fundamentally changed since last week. Maybe I should give a fine-grained reading to whatever Biden said. But look, as of last week, Jake Sullivan had said, there would be catastrophic consequences. Uh, Then the administration let it be known that they had spelled out in private to Moscow what catastrophic consequences would be. They didn't go into great detail publicly. We don't know exactly what they meant, but I'm guessing, first of all, that it was conventional retaliation of a sort that uh, Putin would find deeply problematic. I mean, I don't know. They might have said something like, uh, you know, it's tricky uh, because you I mean, suppose you say something like we will respond uh, conventionally and take out multiple important military assets. I mean, I would assume that naval naval stuff is is a good target. I, I don't know how much supremacy we have on the naval battlefield. After watching the the Russian army in action, I'm thinking we may have supremacy everywhere. I mean, I, I just I just think uh, their shit is not in great shape. But uh, I would guess that if we want, you know, we can we can take out uh, whole ships and and stuff without attacking Russian soil. You know, like uh, take out part of the Black Sea fleet. Now, and I assume that if we conveyed that to Putin. With conviction, uh, he's going to think two, three, four, five times b- before using even a tactical nuke for demonstration purposes. The trick is you have to reassure him that our conventional retaliation will be finite and, uh, you know, say something like, I don't know, look, we're going to take out enough hardware that you're going to deeply regret it, okay? You're going to be in a humiliating situation. You're going to, it's going to be a big problem for you. But, uh, you know, it's only going to last, I I mean, as it approached, you'd want to signal like this is only going to last 48 hours or something. You you need to send a signal that it's going to be over. It's not an actual attack on Russia, but it's going to be something that they're going to find pretty much unacceptable. That's the challenge as a signaling matter, assuming you know, and the trouble with with threatening nuclear retaliation is it's less credible. Now, this faces some credibility challenges because 
there is a risk because if Putin says, this is so humiliating, I have to respond now, you're not going to settle for that. I mean, if you if you take out three ships, he takes out three, it's hard to stop there. And, and so there is inherent risk in any form of retaliation, but threatening conventional retaliation has more credibility than threatening nuclear retaliation. And, and I think there's a magnitude of conventional retaliation that is reasonably credible and that he would find unacceptable. And that's what you want to signal to him persuasively as a signaling matter. Okay. Uh, the argument, so you think they haven't necessarily waited too long. That's good. That's reassuring. What do you mean? Like, what do you uh, mean by waited too long? Like it's their like nukes they, aren't in the air, right? Right. But they can't, they, 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 they can't offer this, uh, credible finite threat that might uh, actually deter him. That's, uh, uh, we have already was, said stuff to them in private. But I was, th I was thinking that there was, you know, I, I guess that I, that was, that was, uh, I, I, w I was thinking that the problem with Biden's speech was that he had implied that there was no such credible deterrent threat that wouldn't result in a worse escalation. He was sort of mouthing off. Uh, people thought. I guess that's why Walter Russell Mead thought he'd flinched. Yeah, well, uh, I, I mean, here's, a, here's a, a horrifying revelation. I was so busy getting the newsletter out last night. I haven't read, I mean, I saw references to it on Twitter. I haven't closely read what Biden said. But I think, you know, the Russians are going to probably think, what I would think is that, like, Biden says all kinds of shit. But what we told you in private is the real deal. Because those were people who are not, you know, uh, in their late 70s and seemingly senile talking right. to you. Right. And, I, and so I think that's where the signaling stands. Now, I also heard that, that there was some report that one of the signals we sent was we might, you know, decapitate your regime. I think that's a mistake because that, that puts them on a hair trigger alert. That's like you know, whoa, I, I may just want to unload. All, I, you don't, you don't, I don't know. The, it's, you know. The, um, I, I think what Biden said, well, one of the things he said is a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Uh, yeah, that, we've, we, that, we've said that, that before. That's, yeah, that seems to have been. Uh, that's what Walter Russell Mead took as two pusillanimous or something? I think so. And, the, and there was, I guess there was something else where he said he, he couldn't imagine uh, a deterrent that wouldn't end in, you know, ultimate escalation or something. Well, we've, um, done, the, we've done the signaling privately, and I think that's yeah. what stands. I don't know why they believe any, I, I, I imagine they are now thinking about this whole Ukraine invasion that Biden kind of sandbagged them to begin with. He, he was talking like, well... We'll impose some sanctions. I mean, shit, he's giving them the whole Pentagon arsenal. We're, we're virtually calling the shots via satellite. That's not quite true. There's, there's, there's some missile systems we just denied them. And, yeah, the long, and yeah. Zelensky asked us to engage in preemptive strikes against Russian nuclear uh, facilities in Russia. And gee, we turned that down. Actually, actually, if you mean <laughs> the thing he said publicly at Harvard, that was ambiguous. And if you listen to the trans, the live translator, the guy says uh, preemptive strikes and then says preemptive action. And he see, the translator seems to be rethinking it. Uh, but in any event, um, if you read the whole thing, that's you can't completely dismiss the Ukrainian walk back on that, that he yeah. was only talking yeah. about preemptive sanctions yeah. or something. The um, the uh, the the, the pro there are uh, two problems. One is. Uh, the uh, the you know we can say that to Putin if you do the, use this nuclear weapon, even a tactical nuclear, will will retaliate in a finite way that will humiliate you and leave you in a terrible position. The problem is the way the Ukraine war go, is going is also humiliating him and leading him into a terrible position, mm -hmm. uh, and he may have his back to the wall. And there are all these scenarios about how General Gerasimov. Is going to you know, going to tell him no, and then he's in a situation where he has to kill Putin before Putin kills him, uh, and so that's a sort of existential threat to Putin. And if he's going to die anyway, he might as well, you know, take a roll of the dice on having a lot of other people die too. Uh, that's problem so. Wait, one. In this scenario, the general has the knife poised at his throat and says, "Don't push the button," and Putin pushes it. 
mean, no, I, know, I, I think, and you're the big stick, you're the big one, how they follow procedures. In order to launch a nuclear strike of any sort, he has to get Gerasimov's mm -hmm. uh, uh, agreement. Okay. He has to get the agreement of the military people. So Gerasimov would say no, and then Putin will be in the situation where he's lost the faith of the military and he's losing his war. And he may soon lose his life. That would be the argument. I, I think, first of all, I think the first, the most likely plausible first use of a nuclear weapon by them is a demonstration strike on like Snake Island or something with a very small tactical nuke. I, I that, Now that is a threshold. It's in the world's interest up on me. to keep from uh, getting crossed. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, it, I, I don't imagine him actually launching a consequential nuclear strike unless he you know one that that kills a bunch of people uh you know unless he does start losing his marbles you know he, he look i said all along you know <laughs> do not imagine that you just as so many people have been talking you know including most americans in the blob probably like we'll just push them back to the borders back beyond the pre-February borders and everything we find. It's like, no, you, you, as a, you know, when you look at the political implications of that for Putin, some extreme shit is going to happen between now. And then it could be a palace coup, which could usher in somebody even more hardline. could be a nuclear strike could be, uh, you know, uh, just wanton slaughter of civilians in Ukrainian cities. Who knows? It's, it, it's, uh, something to think about. What did you think of Musk's proposal? You know, the, the reaction to that was so interesting. So Musk proposed on Twitter, uh, you hold referenda in the four oblasts that, that he's annexed, the Russians, under UN supervision, the referenda. Uh, Russia oh. agrees that they will vacate if they're outvoted. Uh, you know, I, I actually quote tweeted and said, well, um, oh, and, and Musk also said, and, and go ahead and give them Crimea uh, and and agree to Ukrainian neutrality. In other words, not joining NATO. I quote tweeted it and said, well, what I would add is in the four oblasts, you've got to let people who want to who have left who want to come back, come back. Those are in some oblasts going to be overwhelmingly pro-Ukrainian and they should have a chance to vote. A, B, you should also redo uh, you should redo the Crimea referendum, even though that'll probably pass. I mean, they'll probably stay with Russia. You should do, undo that, redo that under UN uh, authorization. And, and, and maybe get Putin to agree that if we have a, a referendum in Kosovo, he will respect the results of that, which would go against his wishes. But um, that's in, you know, in Serbia. Uh, well, whether it's in Serbia is the question, isn't it? But the, in, uh, a referendum, where did you say in Kosovo? Kosovo? In Kosovo, because that, you got, this Kosovo, remember, looms large here. The U.S., in fact, if you say, not since World War II has anyone used aggression to re redraw borders, actually wrong. America used aggression in Serbia to redraw borders. We now recognize the independence of Kosovo, which is a result of our military intervention, All which right. did not have U.N. authorization. That totally pissed the Russians off in 99. They, they cited as a precedent, I would just say as part of this deal, how, get clear up a number of these border questions in the area. Say have that referendum. Independence would pass, and the Russians would agree to. Uh, but well, having the, having a lot of Albanians moved into Kosovo since uh, the we, you know, decades ago allowed this to happen, and so in in theory, wouldn't you have to send those people back and have the vote with the people who were originally there? I mean. Oh well, yeah, we, I stacked, don't, I don't we know. stacked the deck now, you know. Oh, it would have passed. I think. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I should. I'm actually not the so sure that I actually possess here. But let me say on on the Musk peace plan, it was just it was just a, a a sign of how intense and weird the psychology is that like the what the Ukrainian ambassador of Germany tells him literally to fuck off, uses the right. term. And, and let, let's just look at what he's proposing. Now, it may be impractical for various reasons, but all the people who gave him the blowback are people who claim, I think if you ask them, they say a true, legit referendum in these four oblasts would go against Russia. They talk that way. They they don't, they, they never give any, uh, any acknowledgement of the possibility that in any of, these areas, an honest referendum would have gone Russia's way, which 
you know, after the exodus of all the... I'm not sure the stick the sticking point is the referendum so much as Crimea and the neutrality part. I well, mean, the, the, fine, Zelens- I mean, Zelensky attacked it ferociously too, which I course. thought... Well, of course, that's I what I'm that saying. Was, that and was bad look, PR for him. These guys honestly think they're going to wind up with a better... Let's imagine that you could have the referendum in those four oblasts and they all came back to Ukraine in their entirety, including the parts of the Donbass that haven't been, right. been uh, Ukrainian controlled since uh, 2014. If they, don't, if, if they don't think that's a better outcome than they're actually going to wind up with, they are on drugs, okay? Right. Because it's, yeah, go ahead. I just, I I don't know how they're imagining. I mean, right now things are going well for the Ukrainian military. I get that. It's, uh, but I mean, I, you know, I, so you can imagine situations, I suppose, where the, the, the Ukrainian military keeps on going. They slug it out. Some kind of regime change in Russia allows that to happen without a nuclear war and without just the massive slaughter of Ukrainian civilians. I suppose you can imagine that. I'm having trouble imagining it. And and so I, I don't I don't quite understand yeah, right. the degree of hostility yeah, they, to Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Especially didn't Musk do do them a bit of a favor early in the war with the Starlink things. I mean he, well, yeah and now they're reporting that Starlink is not working in some areas in a way that's hurting. I don't know if these are just paranoid rumors or what, Right. but, but like, I can't believe Musk would like retaliate for the blowback by, by crippling, you know, their soldiers. But there are, there are rumors on the internet. In fact, uh, this guy, uh, oh, what's the name of the guy who's, who helped start CrowdStrike of Russian ancestry. He's a big, big pro, you know, Military industrial complex, Alperovitz or something, Dmitry Al- uh, Alperovitz, uh, maybe. Anyway, he's huge Twitter influencer, big figure, and he tweeted last night, "Hey, Elon Musk, is it is it true that you shut down uh, Starlink in parts of yeah. Ukraine?" So yeah. this is, I, huh? It's I, out I, there. I thought the most telling thing in the reaction was that Russia was very hospitable to it. And that seemed to, I was seeing, I took that as a very favorable sign. I mean, they basically said, you know, we've had our, we've had our referendum in Donbass. Sorry, you know, we're not going to have a new one, but that's sort of the objection they would have to make. They basically said, you know, they basically said very favorable things about it. And, uh, and that implied that they were open to a deal. And but wait, if they of, said that we won't rehold the Donbass referendum. How well, that's they- what you negotiate about, you know? I mean, I they, they, you don't say we take this 100 percent. You say we have this objection and then you give it up in negotiation. The, um, uh, and that said to me that there's a way of, I would take that deal right now to avoid the speed bump problem, which is, you know, yeah, Ukraine wins, except then there's a little problem of nuclear weapons that they hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you wouldn't take that deal. You wouldn't take must deal right now. I would. Well, if if you could uh, extend the vote to all the people who have fled somehow, because yeah, okay. I do think, you know, in, in the uh, in some cases, there have also been people have left uh, pro-Russia people have gone to Russia. There's that in some of the parts of the Donbass. But by and large, the fleeing has been mainly on the pro-Ukraine side. And I think you'd want to you'd want to include the original residents in the thing somehow. but. With that, uh, and I think it's, it's like what I said, you'd want to rehold the Crimea referendum, but uh, I, 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 yeah, I'd go with that. It's, throw, it's so far from being a crazy idea, and yet, and yet he's just, yeah. he just encounters an avalanche yeah. of wrath. And throw in Twitter and Kosovo and, and you know, make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. I bring, mean, in, bring in everything. Reward Musk by giving him Twitter for $2 billion less than he bid. Well, listen, um, this may be related. I mean, if I've got the sequence right, wasn't it like the next day that the news broke that that Twitter that he was going to buy Twitter after all? Because like it was right around then. So so uh, maybe I've got the sequencing wrong. But but as I encountered the data, it was this. He puts this thing out there and he has a poll and and the poll 
and I see in the comments, you know, at first his 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 uh, idea is doing well in the poll, and then there's an avalanche of no votes, and he winds up losing like 60-40. And in the comments, I see uh, somebody said, "Oh man, that was a suspicious avalanche of no votes." And 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 Musk says something like, "Yeah, I've never seen that many bots." And I was wondering, like, did he just say, "I'm going to put an end to the"? This is it. I'm buying it after all. <laughs> I'm going to put it in. No, I, my 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 take is is an optimistic. It's it's the opposite of paranoia. It's paranoia. I detect the hand of your friend David Sachs in all this. Oh yeah. Uh, I suspect he he well he's a voice of reason on Ukraine, mm-hmm. and he would he might well be behind the proposal. And also, he's an, a logical candidate to run Twitter if Musk takes over Twitter. He, you know, he's in this podcast, the All In podcast. With all these bigwigs, a lot of some of whom were sucking up to Musk, uh, you know, in the text that were released, Jason Calacanis. And, and so they asked that, they say, David, you run a company, you're respected. Why don't you take over Twitter? And he said, No, I'm sick, with, sick of running companies. I don't want to do that again. But maybe with enough incentives, they can get him to do it again. He, he has the, he is the man with the plan for how to turn Twitter into a free speech, uh, uh, you know, sanctuary without, uh, without you know, having it be a a uh, font of hideous disinformation and hate. Well, so, I think, um, I, uh, I, I think I think that's a, a possibility. Certainly, there had been rumors uh, before the first deal version of the deal fell apart uh, that he he might be the person to run it. I think I told you I heard him on the Barry Weiss podcast, and he clearly has thought through free speech issues. Uh, with a kind of clarity not many people have. I mean, he, he's he's really thought about like what what constitutionally protected speech is and isn't. What the exceptions right. are. I mean, I'm not enough of an expert to pass judgment on it, but he's definitely thought about it. The problem that Jack Schaefer pointed out is that the more uh, the more Musk has giant plans for Twitter, like to turn it into. Uh, the all everything platform like what's up in China where you use it to hail your Uber, you use it for your finances, you use it to get a loan to buy your house, you use it for everything. Uh, it has to then have broad appeal, which means that more people are likely to be turned off by the extremes of free speech that we would want to tolerate on a real free speech side. Uh, it means especially means it has to appeal to the left. You can't like completely alienate the left. And uh, so I wonder if there's some way to hive off the free speech part of Twitter into like, oh, well, that's just the free speech part. And, you know, the other parts are like, uh, you know, where you go to buy your, to, to, to hail your Uber, they're not really, uh, you shouldn't, you, you can't really blame the crazy people on Twitter for that. But that sort of, that sort of defeats the whole purpose of having an all everything app, I guess, which is, it's all under the same yeah, name I mean- on the same site. It's an interesting question. I mean, you know, a certain amount of natural fragmentation. I mean, you know, my feed is going to look different from your feed. People decide who they follow, and there are very culture-heavy feeds, politics-heavy feeds. I mean, uh, and I guess I wonder, one question is whether you, I don't think he'd want to do this, judging by his professed principles, whether you could have an algorithm that kind of uh, makes it hard for, like, politically charged speech to enter the kind of you know, the kind of organically formed realms of food right. discussion or something. Right. You know? that, that was what I was thinking. You could say this is the this is a political sphere and political Twitter and that's mm-hmm. free speech. But but if you're looking for Taylor Swift tweets, you know, you don't have to go there. You can right. just go to your Taylor Swift site. I mean, the problem is uh, maybe we should talk about this in the parrot room. It's an interesting yeah. uh, um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I, I should have some more. I guess Taylor Swift. She's dropping a new album, so I'm completely on the cutting edge here. You you always are in matters of music. By the way, I, I also in the pair room. I'll talk about my uh, my my magical uh, Twitter my my Twitter business model idea that uh, I floated in in Slate years ago, at least implicitly, and was not taken up by Jack Dorsey. By the way, the Jack Dorsey messages to Musk were kind of funny. It's like Dorsey was like, you know, my big mistake was turning Twitter into a company. You know, I, I mean, he, 
I think it was like, it should have just been a pro, uh, some kind of technical protocol or something. And it's like, oh, sure, then I'll pay $40 billion for it if you, <laughs> and turn it into a non-company. I don't, I don't understand like what, what Dorsey was lobbying I didn't for. see that one. That's interesting. One more point about, uh, about uh, Ukraine and, and the possible use of tactical nuclear weapons. Um, uh, some, of the, some of the sort of financial strategists on John Ellis's side said that as soon as he uses nuclear weapons, even a small one, Europe goes broke. Everybody, everybody's too scared to lend money to Europe. Interest rates go through the roof. Uh, you know, it, it's basically a, a massive depression in Europe, uh, which seems bad. Honestly, I think there's a chance that if he used a nuke, there would be a big timeout. Like, in other words, it would mean he was so desperate militarily that he would probably welcome uh, the opportunity for somebody to say, look, ceasefire, let's have a big security council meeting about this and discuss it or something like. But, uh, but then that, that itself would start to trigger the, the charges of appeasement and see he gained something. Well, I think we would do uh, some kind of retaliation so fast that that would just happen. I mean, I, I think a ship would sink or something, but. Uh, yeah. Seems seems hard well, to me, calibrate. If, if you want a little bit of good news on this front, um, you know, last week I said uh, one reason that the, the annexation was so dire, had such dire implications was that it meant, you know, He's got to now, he's staked his regime to conquering a lot of territory he doesn't have, he doesn't actually control. Now, since then, his spokesperson said, actually, in the two non-Donbass oblasts, the final borders would be determined in consultation with the people. That's a way of saying that in, what is it, Zappernitsa or whatever, the one with the Z and uh, Kherson, he wouldn't have to have complete uh, control. Right. So that's... Oh, modestly encouraging. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's it's one of a number of signs that uh, I think he's he's concerned about the situation he's gotten himself into. You know, our, I heard our friend uh, Steve Sustanovich on a podcast saying it's not too soon to start talking about the regime regime change. You know, palace coup or right. something. Um, and uh, you know, there's this there's open fighting uh, between. On the you know the, his defense minister has come under open attack from the guy who uh, who runs Wagner, so-called Putin chef, Prigozhin, and the warlord who runs Chechnya. It's like knives out for the defense minister, who is an old friend of Putin's. Now I don't, uh, and, and in fact, you know, if you've seen these these videos of the Russian soldiers in Ukraine, you know, saying. They sent us here. We don't have, they didn't even buy us underwear. Right. We're totally fucked. Apparently, some of those were staged by the Prigozhin people to embarrass the defense minister. They're not even, no. you know, they're, they're like faked, basically. Um, and I don't know if Putin, it's conceivable Putin authorized this because it's pretty awkward to fire a close friend when he's the defense minister and you'd like to be able to say to him, look, the uproar is just I can't, unstoppable. You got to go. But if that's not the case, then. You know, it is a sign of uh, of some degree of actual instability in the regime, yeah. right? Yeah. If these guys are talking out of class, right? And they are they are uh, they are cracking down on the right wing military bloggers now too. Oh, are they? Yes. So uh, uh, that's interesting. They, what are they? They're, they're what depriving them of Telegram channels or something? Something like that. I mean, they're not throwing them out of windows, but there was some. Some way they were limiting their reach. I forget. I forget what it was. The uh, well, the general question I want to ask you is: Is Russia doing as badly in the war as we think? Everybody who reads the mainstream media thinks that they, you know they're they're on the run. They're dissolving. Uh, the the situation is dire for them. Well, you know, Frank Fukuyama tw tweeted a few days ago. I think he said a much broader Russian military collapse will happen. And I think he said within, I don't know if he said within days or soon or something, but it's a very confident prediction. Who who, who said this? Frank, uh, Fukuyama. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's not just a 
you know, I mean, his famous book is one thing, but he's also plugged into these national security circles. <clears throat> and uh, he, he worked in the State Department. He, he knows. So I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss that. But I would say I mean, here's what I'd say is my prediction on sur- regime survival is that if Putin is still in charge in six weeks, he'll be in charge in six months. Because I think uh, that within six weeks, however badly the mobilization is being handled, it is going to start providing some relief and some stabilization of the lines. Unless there is such a headlong retreat before then that chaos ensues and Putin is deposed, you know? Um, And now, as for... The battlefield, I mean, I think when we last talked, I said Lehman's about to fall. It fell. That's not nothing in Donetsk province. Uh, the other, the big thing that's happened is in Kherson, uh, the Ukrainian troops advanced from the north. Russians retreated uh, to avoid encirclement, and the Ukrainians picked up about 150 square miles. And there's a town, they're not that far from a town, that if they can get to that, they will be able to train artillery fire on the critical bridges and, and, and cut the Russians off from resupply. They had been using HIMAR missiles to do that, but they, they, those are such a precious resource that they need to get within artillery range. But they haven't, that, that happened a few days ago, and, and there hasn't been a kind of sudden collapse as a result of that. The, the Russians seem to have reestablished lines. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I, there there are signs that the Ukrainians are going to try to get very aggressive in anticipation of mobilization starting to take effect before terribly long um, and, and, and uh, trying things even, even beyond Kherson and the Donbass. The Russians though have, have, you know, they, they picked up a village here and there uh, in the Donbass um, and I think there are heavy casualties on both sides, certainly including Ukrainian. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, but the big question oh, is, yeah. Go ahead. Will the Herschel Walker rape scandal sink his candidacy? Well, this is, I was going to sw- switch to that. I, you know, the um, the filer faster thesis says it came out too soon. Uh, they, it's a, there's in, in a case, month to go, month to go before anybody, the election. In case there's anybody didn't follow it, uh, I guess it was the Daily Beast ran a piece saying, he had paid for woman's abortion. They didn't name her, but they provided visual documentation or something, right? Um, that's that's right, and it's it's uh, and it also his son cut a video. His conservative, apparently gay son named Christian, named Christian, cut a video where he sort of said, "I'm out. My father's a liar. He was never here for us. Fuck him." Uh, well, and he was violent, and he was he it was he painted a very dark right, picture of his right. father. So uh, the uh, it's sort of the it's sort of a the, not the final shoe, but a shoe that everybody sort of knew was out there to maybe drop. That uh, he had even more children, or had fathered even more children than he said, and he had uh, an abortion scandal. And uh, uh, I just think, and this is something I wanted to discuss in the parrot room. People are less character voters than issue voters than they used to be. And there are a bunch of arguments for why that is. It used to be that that you would say he has, doesn't have the character to be a senator. Uh, I'm going to vote for him. After Trump and a bunch of other factors, everybody's, people will accept people with terrible character because, they, you know, they, 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 want, they want the Republicans or the Democrats to control the Congress. They want a vote on a particular issue to go their way, abortion, trade, immigration, whatever. Uh, and, uh, and, and also people, it's a month away from the election. People have a month to think about something else. I mean, I think the Mar-a-Lago thing, for example, has already faded. Not, not going to be a big issue in the election, even though they're, they keep, you know, discovering Trump may have even more documents. Mm. Well, that's not going to headline well, the news gotten, anymore. It's gotten too complicated to think about. I, yeah. I mean, in terms of the court proceedings, it's like yeah. pain, painful to contemplate. Yeah, well, that, so that, to that extent, his request for a special master worked because it just muddied mm. the issue, made people's brains hurt. Uh, so, I, 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 you know, I think Walker could easily come back. Uh, mm. uh, that, that's my line. The other, the other uh, you know, the other 
thing that that um, I'll I'll fill I'll cover for Mickey during this Biden moment. No, the, 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 okay, go ahead, cover cover for me. Okay, uh, back to Ukraine. Um, oh, okay, you're okay. Oh, you got it. You got it. Oh, we're yeah, back. Yeah. It's it's we're we're down to the same two states that I and many other people said a few weeks ago where they're going to be the two crucial states, Pennsylvania and Georgia. Uh, and in Pennsylvania, Fetterman is still losing. Uh, and uh, the problem is... Wait, Fetterman is, Fetterman is, is still losing? He's still losing altitude. He's ahead oh, by altitude. two to four points, but he was ahead by eight last week and 16 before then. So he's, he's, he's going down. And yeah. the problem is that the swing voters seem to be women. That's always trouble for conservatives, uh, especially conservatives who don't. It's actually not that bad for Oz because he was mm -hmm. picked entirely because of his appeal to women. It's terrible for somebody like Blake Masters in Arizona, who's actually pretty close in the polls. But if all the swing voters are women, uh, he's in trouble. Why is that? Uh, he, well, because women tend to be wimps. They they don't want to go hard ass on immigration. They, they don't want I saved you once, ass. but I'm not going to save you again. I'm going to just leave that there and not, not have you revise that comment. Well, they don't like the hard, Trumpy edges. I mean, every poll shows that Trump does better among men than women. I don't like the women. hard, Trumpy edges. You calling me a wimp? Well, Masters tried to sand off some of his hard, Trumpy edges, which he probably never should have put there in the first place. Uh, but, you know, they're gonna, that's going to work better with men than with women. So um, that's, that's, that's the problem. And in the, in the you know, in... In uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, there there are these suburban areas that, that uh, the Philly suburbs are the traditional swing area, swing area. And if 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 those women can be scared enough that they think that you know a Republican majority is going to bring uh, the end of democracy in America, then you know, then then Oz will lose. Uh, uh, the other interesting thing is is why did McConnell pull out in Arizona? It seems to me there's no excuse for that. That was just spite. The only reason I can think of is that what he did was he 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 reserved a lot of ads, and then he pulled the plug on those ads, giving a horrible headline for Blake Masters, who's the Republican in the race, that you know McConnell abandons Arizona, you know, and Masters isn't that far away. He's like two to four points. Behind uh, a good push and some biased polls could could put him over the top. And why would you know McConnell wants to be majority leader? Why would he give up a possible seat? Where does he have a better shot? I thought that was wasn't uh, that originally kind of a bargaining thing between him and Peter Thiel. He wanted to get Peter Thiel to do it and to pay for it, and Peter Thiel didn't want to. And I guess and it's and, like he and, threw and, he threw the steering wheel out of the car, as we say. He threw in, the steering wheel out of the car, but but it's not something you do if it was a candidate you cared about. Give him that. Give him that. That, well, that those that McConnell is not a big fan of Trumpist candidates. I mean, in his in his heart, because he hates Trump so much. Right, but it, it, it was sort of a decision that he would rather not be majority leader than have a Trumpist be the balance of power. You know, at, at his, his age, how old, how old is McConnell? I don't know. Ninety six. I don't know. He's probably eighty. Here's my 70. observation about the aging process: the number of times you say "off oh, fuck it" or "off oh, fuck them" each year grows it grows every year okay that's for sure that's for sure and he's yeah. older than i am and i'm saying it a lot i may say fuck it during the course of this this uh you know that's podcast. how often it that's how advanced in age mickey is <laughs> any given hour he may say fuck him or fuck it okay um well those are the points i had to make about the election i mean it's it's uh we have a long way to go according to bruce Feiler. Time will tell, and I, and I. Time will tell. We'll 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 find out soon enough, Bob. Uh, what other what other cliches? I I, I don't remember all the cliches. So the, quickly, in the other the other race that I don't that I think is, uh, you the Utah race. I think everybody thinks is is a ninety percent for sure that the Republican Mike Lee will win. And okay. and I guess you know, call me in two weeks on that. If the undecided voters start moving to Mike Lee, which they're not supposed to do uh, under traditional views of where voters go 
do they go for the incumbent or the insurgent? If they come back home to Mike Lee, then he's fine. But if they don't, I would say he's in deep trouble. What about, is Tim Ryan toast in Ohio? Everybody thinks Tim Ryan's toast. He has this new ad out where he like snuzzles up to his wife and says, you know, I think the problem is in America is when people feel they have to agree all the time. Honey, we, we, we say have 10 opinions and if we agree on seven of them, we call that a good day. And it's like completely smarmy and, and rebarbative as far as I'm concerned, but some people think it's effective. Uh, uh, I, most people seem to think that Vance will win. So they, they, I am a little worried about that excessive optimism. But uh, yeah, uh, I notice you're you're so worried uh, about the Republicans losing that you tweeted something about, can we please keep Elon Musk from putting Trump back on Twitter before the well, election? Your, your fear is that would hurt, that would help the no, Democrats. It certainly right? help. Yeah, the, the Democrats want Trump to be an issue. They have this this campaign about how we're we're going to be faced with fascism and semi-fascism and the mm -hmm. end of democracy. And if Trump is a hulking figure in the primaries, that only adds to it. Mm -hmm. So far, at the moment, the Democrat the Republicans are killing them on crime. There's an anti-Fetterman ad in Pennsylvania that uh, isn't very good, but it makes very effective use of the hoodie because it, it, it reenacts a crime and then has the murderer walk away in a hoodie. Okay, a six foot eight guy in a hoodie, a tall guy in a hoodie, viewed from the rear, cut to Fetterman in a hoodie. Yeah. Okay. It's like uh, not too subtle. Uh, so um, at least they didn't have the guy have a stroke or something during the crime. You know, it's they no. could have been nobody real. liked nobody liked my idea. Of the the way to solve the Fetterman debate problem is to have him debate Walker, and then yeah. Oz can then Oz can de debate. You know. Uh, Warnock, sort of have, so a, have, just have a, a cognitively impaired, have a crossover crossover event with two different strata, right? Yeah. And by the way, I mean Walk, Walker's got his excuses. He took a lot of he took a lot of headshots during his career. You know, he's trotting those out now. Well, is, he, is, is that he, what he's saying? He's saying this yeah. is what football does. No, his his allies are. Newt, <laughs> I think Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich said that as an excuse. But isn't he the one who was very frank about his mental problems? And uh, who got points for being frank about his mental problems? I don't remember that about him. Um, I may be confusing him with another football star. So mm. let's uh, let's stop there before Mickey completely embarrasses before, himself. Yeah, maybe too late. We may have hit the speed bump. So uh, where are we on 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 time? You know the uh, the little timer thing I set and uh, when we started is going to go off in well actually let's say uh, four minutes if you correct that little uh, technical glitch we hope to cut out. Um, what else is there? Well, let's see. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, Biden administration leaked the fact that Ukraine chose to publicize the fact that Ukraine, the government was behind the murder of uh, Alexander Dugan's daughter in Moscow. And they, why they, did they, they said do that? Part, they said parts of the government, they said, well, we're not saying Zelensky definitely knew, blah, blah, right. blah. But it, it's a good question. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think for one thing, uh, the, you know, the, every, most people think they are doing some kind of signaling to the Zelensky administration, like, you know, just don't get too far ahead, you know. Don't don't pull on the leash too much here. I mean, we're people are talking about nuclear war. We don't need a whole lot of this shit right now, you know, inflammatory, escalatory shit. And uh, or may, maybe the Biden knew, they knew about a specific special op that Ukraine was planning or something. Um, you think there's no chance that it was just an honest investigation that publicized its honest results? No, it was a leak. It was an intentional <laughs> okay. leak by by by, by anonymous official. Okay. Classic tactical leak. Okay. Um, um, and if people want details, they are in today's you know, issue of the non-zero. The, the other thing that, that that seems bizarre to me is this 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 Saudi OPEC uh, cutback on oil production. It seems to be is a pure fuck the USA move on the part of Saudi Arabia, and. and it's not even going to get them. I don't think that much money. It's it's just like 
screw, screw you, Biden, and right before an election. And what does Saudi Arabia get? Do they really think their long-term interest is, is more with Russia than with the United States? That's totally insane. Well, there's always China, um, uh, which would be happy to okay. become their patron, I'm sure. Uh, they also think they, they provide us with valuable uh, information, intelligence about terrorism. I think, you know, it's one problem with us kind of overemphasizing the war on terrorism and being more freaked out than is absolutely necessary about it is, you know, you, you do start relying on states for this kind of thing. But, you know, the number of countries that in theory should be client states, but treat us as if the relationship is reversed, is kind of growing. I mean, you know, traditionally you had Israel, now you've got Saudi Arabia. And kind of Ukraine. I mean, man, uh, you know, they they complain a lot, you know, about I, us not giving them more shit, and we've given them a lot of shit. And what has Israel done to screw us lately? No, it's just a it's just this is a longstanding thing where uh, you know, I mean, I mean, especially during the Netanyahu years, maybe, but like it just seems like whatever you do is not enough. I mean, we you know, we give them a ton of uh, military heart. We give them a ton of cover in the United Nations, veto resolution after resolution uh, that that basically say that, uh, you know, violations of international law are violations of international law and stuff like that. We veto that, you know, being the guardians right. of the rule-based order as we are. Um, and, uh, and, and we even thought, that damn it, the Iran nuclear deal was 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 kind of for them. They're the ones who who kept saying they didn't want Iran to have a nuclear weapon. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, we'll we'll devote a billion, you know, diplomatic resources to this. There, how do you like it? And 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 BB comes and addresses Congress to humiliate Obama and put pressure on it. It does, yeah. Okay. But whining is whining and asking for more is different than affirmatively screwing us, which is what MBS did. And of course, I, in my non-big thing kind of way, think it's just spite because of the Khashoggi thing. Um, I think he just, I, th I think he, you know, he wants America to forget the Khashoggi thing and uh, the murder and and uh, accept him as a hundred percent legitimate ruler of Saudi Arabia. Well. I mean, it could be, I don't know, what what I find amazing. I mean, I've said before, I just think Blinken and company are amateurs. It amazes me that Biden paid him the visit, uh, paid MBS the visit, which was an important part of his global rehabilitation, right? right? He's a fucking pariah. Right. Biden pays him the visit, and apparently they didn't have the terms nailed down. What, we're doing this for free, and then we're going to see how you react? No. You get it on fucking paper. It's incredible. I, I, I assumed that when he went over there, we knew for sure he was going to cooperate on oil. Why else would you do that? Uh, he said it was to rationalize the Israeli-Palestinian relationship. Well, to I mean, this is, this, Middle is, East relationship. this is, uh, uh, I mean, one reason we do suck up to Saudi Arabia is, is because Israel wants us to. I mean, they... they uh, as long as Saudi Arabia is playing ball on not putting pressure on the Palestinians, right. you know, the Abraham Accords and everything, they, also, they, they want that. Also, Biden's excuse might uh, might make sense. Which is what? That we did it for the Jews. <laughs> I would not have put it that way myself. There, there, I, I know of Jews who share my opinion on this. So, so he didn't do it for all the Jews. Uh, but uh, no, he said we did it for the Israeli-Palestine dispute. Um, uh, well, yeah, but, I don't know. No, 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 wait. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. Like That's not how it was framed at the time. That's no, the, the truth is that what he's doing with Saudi Arabia makes it less likely that the Israel-Palestine issue will be resolved, in my view, okay? Israel is in no hurry to address that thing, okay? Right. So if right. Israel likes what's going on, you can rest assured that we're not headed towards some kind of big diplomatic overture from Israel. He didn't say resolve. He, just, he sure didn't say resolve, because that's not what anybody uh, involved wants, he, except for the Palestinians. Uh, if I remembered, it was phrased at the time as we have to get them to cooperate on gas, and that's why we had the fist bump and not a nothing, and, you know, and the fist bump didn't work. Um, maybe... Um, 
Maybe but wait, you said it was about the gas. The press at the time was it was all about oil. Yeah, right. And I'm just saying we didn't get yeah. those terms nailed down. Right, right, right. right. It's pathetic. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they just said, "Oh, fuck it." Maybe. Um. So I have things for the paired room. Tell us what they are. Well, there's Jeff Tubin. Yeah. There's this. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Richard Hanania article about how China and Russia, while they seem to be forming this alternative alliance to the rules-based order of the free world, uh, they're in fact have, are, are, have screwed themselves by their own behavior and they're now fading powers. And Francis Fukuyama was right that there is no alternative to the liberal world order. Yay, we win. Okay, that's... I'm... I'm oversimplifying the Hanania essay. Hmm. Uh, there, there's a pretty good uh, essay I read about uh, EVs being, vehicles. being a, another plot by China. Uh, there's the head of the Peterson Institute saying all sorts of outrageous things. Don't you have some connection with the Peterson Institute? Not that I know of. Yeah, okay. They're the free trade. Uh, they're the right. They're the free trade people. They seem to be. Yeah, I thought they were the agent. I thought they were the oh, the government's going to debt. We have to cut social security. People. Well, they're they're probably fiscal hawks. But I I thought the original function was to lobby for relatively free trade. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, the, I think you're right. Uh. Certainly, the the uh this this statement seemed to show it. Uh, uh, your friend David Sachs wrote an essay in Newsweek that said, uh, uh, you know, why are the wokest left, why are they running into the arms of the neocons? Mm. And I got a lot of blowback saying he provided no evidence. And the question is, has the wokest left run into the arms of the neocons? You are my go-to authority for that. So just save it for the paradigm. Don't, Okay, I mean, give it away for free. There was a good, very good line in that piece that I want to highlight in the pair <laughs> that, had, that is related to this. Okay, uh, I want to talk about why I am no longer a character issue, character voter, and I've become an issue voter. And it's actually not an easy answer. You um, have become a character voter? No, I used to be. Uh. And uh, and a lot of people, I think, I think you know, was it Peggy Noonan? People have written about. Uh, you know, the character voters have disappeared. I mean, the whole the whole point about Clinton Monica was he was a person of bad character. Okay. Mm -hmm. I could give a shit about that now. <laughs> and, um, uh, and also um uh the threat of uh I'm always talking about the threat of corporatism. Well it seems to be in California we actually had an instance of actual, you know, textbook corporatism, uh, which I don't think I talked about last week. So I'll talk about it this week. Yeah, you're a, this corporatism thing. Big issue with you. Why did yes? I can explain why. Maybe I can okay. do a little internal spiel. On oh, oh, I'm gonna okay. So in the pair room, I'm gonna talk about this. These two Michael McFall tweets that are about uh, a week old that further demonstrate this is a, this is related to the line in the Sachs piece, by the way. In a in a way. And uh, but they further demonstrate that in a in a rational nation, no one would be paying any attention to Michael McFall at all. Um, what else? Uh, you know, you know. Oh, you know, I wanted to talk about Iran. Let me just quickly say one thing about it. Well, we we should have. You know, this is serious. What's going on in Iran? Serious demonstrations. Just quickly, I'll say. The, Whenever, I mean, the regime, I don't know how much trouble the regime is in, uh, there's pressure. Whenever you hear, you know, people look forward to regime change, you say, be careful what you wish for. I would say the one source of hope in Iran that you could wind up with a kind of, uh, you know, internally forced regime change that worked out not so badly is, unlike most of the countries we think of as authoritarian or autocratic, Iran has a lot of the elements of a functioning democracy, and they are not nothing. They actually do work. There are elections for president, for parliament, and they are not inconsequential. 
These people have real responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So it's like you could make relatively minor adjustments in the system and keep a lot of it functioning as it is and wind up with something significantly less autocratic and authoritarian. So maybe there's hope, but I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, that's the point you can't make in the bedroom since you just made it. I know it's not that. It's not that it, it's not that it's not that interesting. The paradigm right. is full of just incredibly interesting shit. That's why all these people pay top dollar for access, Mickey. It's a high bar. It's why, like, we're turning people away. I mean, people think here's this, here's what people think. You go, you give us your credit card, and you're in. Oh, that's just like the first, right? I mean, then we have this, like, well, what is your ancestry? You know, right? right. I it's mean, like, it's we have like all that, this shit. It's like that Peter Thiel dating site that one of my one of our commenters in the parrot room wanted me to go to. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I was, and I thought, Hey, this is great. And right. then, it, then it said, no, it's by invitation only. Yeah. So you have to have some pull to get mm -hmm. into the Peter Thiel conservative dating site. And like, likewise, you know, the parrot room, you know, not for everybody. No. I mean, you better have a blue check on Twitter for starters. Don't even give us your credit card information if you don't have a blue check on Twitter, right, Nick? <laughs> I, <laughs> Actually, we don't I have think, blue checks on Twitter, do we? I think, I think this is a counterproductive marketing system. Okay. I was just kidding, folks. We uh, love, one thing we love is your money. Um, okay, well, was the parrot is pitch? warming up. Okay, okay, we're heading there. All right, you can hear him. He's here, an irrepressible bird, folks. The parrot is warming up. Okay, we will see him in the room. He's saying, fuck it. Uh, I'm with you, buddy.